0: Good morning, everyone. As we look upon our scriptures for today, our first reading, uh, the Israelites uh, are freed at last from slavery to the Egyptians and everything that comes with that. And part of that was humiliation. Uh, so this uh, humiliation is, that they suffered is removed and they enter into the promised land and partake uh, of its benefits. In our second reading, uh, we are told the reason why Christ has come and what he has done. And he brought about a reconciliation between the Father and humanity. And uh, this is Jesus Christ's church. And so the church task is to do the same, uh, to be about reconciling. And that's part of what uh, the reading, the, the second half of the first, uh, second reading, uh, we heard on Ash Wednesday about being ambassadors for Christ. In this parable, uh, there have been uh, symposiums on it and series on it um, that lasts almost a whole week, trying to understand there's so much. Um, so I tried to condense and try and look at it differently each year for you to present it. Uh, and one of the things they always teach us is make sure, uh, sure the people understand what's being represented. So I think it's very clear first Who the parables, in when Jesus said it, and Luke, Luke is the only one who has this one, um, who it was geared at, because we're told. Jesus told this parable to them, them being the Pharisees and scribes, because they had a really bad attitude. So he's presenting it to them, but this parable applies to all of us. The Father uh, is very clear. The Father represents God and his mercy and his love. The younger son represents those uh, who know God and have left. Remember, he's with the father, and then he leaves. So this parable is really unique because in this case, Jesus is targeting it uh, not only to the Pharisees and scribes, but to the Jewish people themselves. This is the one time when the Gentiles are not really mentioned and certainly, it applies to everyone. But in this case, it's very—he's talking about those who leave the faith. And then the eldest son are, is about the ones who stay and observant of the laws and the precepts, and the religion. Now we have all the characters, and we understand what they represent. The feast is heaven. So that party that's going on is the joy that. So I thought, oh wow, they're having parties in heaven. Can't wait to get there, huh? Right? Uh, but it represents heaven. There's an invitation also by the Father to both. Both his sons. Both of the peoples. And uh, as we look at the importance of these three people in the parable, each of the persons in the story speaks to us uh, in different but very powerful ways, equally. And the uh, First, there is the son uh, for which the parable is named. And uh, the prodigal son, uh, which prodigal means wasteful, depends if it's a noun or adjective. But um, the wasteful son, he demands his inheritance, and we're told he goes off and he squanders it. uh, And uh, we are told the son goes to a distant country. Distant country is not a geographical place. Jesus is not talking about some other city. It's actually symbolic of a way of life a way of thinking that is different from the faith. In reality, then, uh, it represents a way of living. And uh, so, my friends, there are some Christians who have known that distant country. They have experienced it, where they leave behind the church and the Gospels to follow their own ways. My friends here Uh, they are lured to a place where sin is made to look appealing, but sin isn't appealing for very long. I would go further and say sin is fun until the person becomes enslaved by it and through it, through different things, but in particular, look at what I call addictions, such as alcohol abuse, which harms not only the person who's caught in it, but all of their family members. And infidelity in marriage, which destroys not only the marriage, but the very family members involved. Sin is fun until the selfishness and arrogance and deception distorts one's life and leaves the person desolate and isolated from God and from others. This is the distant country symbolism in Jesus' parable. And... Many in the Christian ways have experienced this. We are told the prodigal son has a moment of recognition. He comes to his senses, and he utters, I have sinned. In that moment, when he no longer blames his father for anything, he no longer blames society, if you will, for being too immoral, where he no longer blames his employer for being unfair, when he no longer blames his genetic makeup or his birth order, he simply states, I have sinned. That moment is key for the younger son, for a future that will be different for him. How often one remains trapped in destructive in sinful patterns of living, ready to blame anyone and anything. It is a lack of maturity for sure, but a lack of responsibility when one enters the blame mode. Blaming a parent, blaming family members, blaming the pastor. Yeah, I've had people come, because of you, Father Mark, I'm not going to be in church anymore wow, I have a lot of power, don't I? (laughs) But you you try not to be smug with the parent. Okay, all right. And people who blame the church, people who blame society, people who blame current scandals. My friends, it is a grace when the person is able to say and mean and take on, I have sinned. I take responsibility. It is a sign of moral awakening and spiritual maturity. In that person. My friends, the path to heaven, the banquet, the path to heaven of this prodigal son lies in the importance of being able to recognize and say, I have sinned. My friends, there's the other path that is represented by the elder brother. And maybe it's when the person feels that uh, people uh, who repent should not just be able to walk right back into the church. They should suffer. They should be humiliated. And they should have to pay for what they have done. But my friends, true contrition and true desire to be different and to work towards that suffices. I don't know, someone's, are you sure, Father? Yes, because this is what the second reading is talking about. Because of Jesus Christ, because of his passion, death, and resurrection, because of his wounds, he has healed the relationship between humanity and his Father. Because of Jesus Christ, we can come back home. And it's not just coming back home. As we see represented by the eldest son, the Father receives him back and puts him back in his proper positioning. So the repentant sinner comes back and doesn't hang out outside the gates of heaven but comes right into the banquet room itself. True, true. The prodigal son has much to do to repair and rebuild the damage by his sinful ways. And my friends, um, consequences happen by our decisions. There's always, when you make a decision, there's consequences. But I want to be kind of clear about this. Consequences are not the equivalent of punishment, although consequences sometimes feel like punishment. But they are different from each other. And my friends, here is the hard facts about the Father. God is not harsh with repentant sinners. God the Father does not give the repentant sinner what they deserve. He gives them what they need. God's goodness to others, and here's sometimes where other Christians have this really bad attitude. God's goodness to others, particularly the repentant sinner, does not diminish his love for you and I. Because he has offered forgiveness and restores the repentant sinner to their rightful place doesn't diminish his love for you who has been faithful all this time. And here is the other fact. God is free to give his grace to anyone. Anyone he desires and at any time he desires. To the saint and to the repentant sinner, God says, Come. Let us celebrate. Because we are Jesus Christ's disciples, and this is his church, this is, belongs to him, he was about the ministry of reconciliation. That's what Paul is talking about. Therefore, you and I must be about this also. Because the repentant sinner will need your support and help in order to continue on that path of holiness. When we encounter people who realize that they have done wrong and they have true contrition and of their own volition seek to offer some type of restitution, what they do not need from us Christians is recriminations and self-righteous attitudes. They need assistance. They need us to help them to walk in holiness more often and to begin to walk once more with Christ and his ways and with the church. That is one lesson of the older brother to us. Repentant sinners do not need our resentment, but our help to remain renewed and vibrant in the faith they need our help and encouragement in the decision to return to Christ. That is the way to the heavenly banquet for the older brother by assisting his younger brother to walk in the ways of the Lord. Finally, there is the father willing to take the repentant son back, seeking reconciliation for his whole family in doing so. And not only just taking him back, but putting him in his rightful place with the family. St. Paul refers to this as the ministry of reconciliation, a bridge building. We have many people in our time who are experts at polarization and divisive things, and they have made a way of life of it. The work of bridge building between divided and conflicted people is part of the walk of the holiness of a disciple of Jesus Christ. The way of the Father is for all Christians. And that leads to heaven also, being a peacemaker, a bridge builder. This parable speaks to all of us today through the prodigal son, the younger. It speaks about the importance of coming to that point and saying, I have sinned and I wish to change. The elder brother, it speaks of the need of those who repent for our assistance and our prayers and not our resentment. And through the loving and forgiving father who is filled with joy that his son has returned, the one who was lost, it speaks to us about the very holy and sacred ministry of reconciliation, of forgiveness, of compassion, and of building bridges. Friends, in the season of Lent, uh, we are called to recognize our own sinful ways and to make change and uh, to accept God's grace. The two lessons in uh, some uh, from this parable about the Father in his mercy and his invitation. He invites not only the repentant sinner to heaven, but the faithful, the person who observed all the precepts. The sinner, what is required of him to repent? What about the faithful one who comes to church every Sunday? Salvation is not guaranteed just because you sit in the pew. It requires something different. And that is what the parable is saying. To have the heart of the Father. It's required. And of course, you know about the Father already. It shows that his mercy is extended to all. But there is an invitation. And everyone, everyone must respond to that invitation. To respond well <laughs> to it, my um, friends. Just a gentle reminder: last week I spoke to you about the challenge that I've been having as pastor with someone leaving the Eucharist in the pew. And uh, actually, they—I was informed during the week that that was actually the third time that uh, there was a two weeks prior. Before that, so I'm asking all of you to please again when you come forward to receive the Eucharist, to please consume the Eucharist immediately in front of the minister, even if you must step to the side, just do it. Um, Please don't walk away with it in your hand. Don't walk away with the Eucharist in your hand or or go back to the pew holding the Eucharist. Uh, Please consume it. This will help me uh, to bring this under control and see what's going on, why someone's doing this. Um, And uh, to all of our Christian brothers and sisters of other denominations, Again, um, it is a teaching of our church that we cannot extend the Eucharist to you. However, um, one last week, one of the Methodists said, what am I supposed to do if I want to come forward? Uh, Tell me again what I'm supposed to do. And I said, ah, for those not receiving the Eucharist, just put your palms over your chest or your fingertips over your lips, and a blessing will be bestowed upon you. Did I tell you God loves you? Amen. Amen.